In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is a picture of chaos. It's a picture of confusion. It's a picture of disorder. This was not a place that was suitable for us to live. And so God comes into this norm of chaos and he disrupts the chaotic norm to create something exceptional. And that's the pattern of God throughout the entirety of the scriptures. God enters into the normal, he disrupts it, and he creates something exceptional. Hello? I never understood what it meant to live. To see stars or grass was always something so average, so mundane. So still. Now I would do anything to see anything still or be still, for that matter. The hidden despot rulers wanted a submissive population, easily directed by subliminal messaging. They littered the online world with directions and distractions that spoke only to our subconscious minds to see who followed, feeding on our insecurities like a parasite. As the world grew more narcissistic, so did the movies, their dark fantasies inoculating the population against the real-world violence and depravity on the news. It touted a dialogue that taught the population that evil was good and good was evil. This was a normal part of life. They wanted us to believe there was nothing we could do about it. it kept us docile as the ideological bombs dropped before our eyes as if coming from foreign lands. The only way out was to stop glamorizing the evil, stop taking in the lies as if we are drowning victims gasping for fresh air. We need to show it as it really is, horrifying, raw, wretched, controlled. There is a murmur of a benevolent champion whose charge into the world sets the heads of the elite on fire. He marshals the dispossessed into battle, forging a path lit with the wisdom of ages past. It is said that he changes everything from dark to light, as though infected by an illuminated stain from the sun. He disrupts. We need more of him. Where is he? Who is he? We need his disruption. Hey everyone, welcome to a new series we're doing called Disruption. Uh, a disruption is something that literally just explodes what we would consider normal. Now when you look up the definition of normal, it's pretty easy to find in Webster's Dictionary. And what we find here is that normal is characterized by that which is considered usual, typical, or routine. Usual, typical, or routine. And what we find when we're looking into the scriptures is that God is a God of disruption. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is a picture of chaos. It's a picture of confusion. It's a picture of disorder. This was not a place that was suitable for us to live. 
And so God comes into this norm of chaos and he disrupts the chaotic norm to create something exceptional. And that's the pattern of God throughout the entirety of the scriptures. God enters into the normal, he disrupts it, and he creates something exceptional. I I don't know if you noticed, but Israel uh, was a nation that had times in their history where they were close to God, and they had times in their history when they were far from God. And in those times when they were far from God, they started following other gods, other customs, living life differently, living life more along uh, what, what the scriptures would call the pagans than the people of God, right? And so there wasn't a lot of difference between them and the people around them. And what we find is every time those kinds of things took place, when God sees that Israel is dishonoring the call that's in their life, he does something incredible. He disrupts it. And he sends them into exile. And all throughout the Bible, we are told that the reason for the exile is the failure of Israel to fulfill the commands that were given to them. And so when that takes place, God disrupts their patterns. And the purpose in it is to draw their hearts back to him. So in the exile, what you find is a prophet will rise up and challenge the people to turn their hearts back towards the Lord. And when they do, the exile tends to end. It's a beautiful picture. We find other disruptions in life. Abram, uh, his life is disrupted. He lived a normal life in Ur, and then God tells him to come follow him, go to the place that he will show him, and he just disrupts the norm. We have Jonah, who was comfortable preaching in Israel, but he hated the Ninevites. But God needed Nineveh to hear from him. So he wants Jonah to go. He disrupts Jonah's life. To send him. Mary, the mother of God, is this young woman who is living a simple life. She's engaged to a guy and she's expecting just a normal life that everybody else is living. And then the angel Gabriel comes and he gives her this life-altering message. Her life is disrupted. Paul was a comfortable Pharisee, but God wanted him to become this incredible missionary this evangelist, for his sake. God is a God of disruption. And in this series, we're going to talk about the things in life, the normalcies that we have, that God wants to disrupt. Let's talk about fatigue. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And just so you know, if you are unaware or unsure as to where the book of Matthew is in the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents. People work really hard to put it there. Don't be ashamed to use it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Here's what it says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hmm. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you that you are the God of disruption. And that your desire is to disrupt our lives in such a way that we turn towards you and gain more life to the fullest, to have salvation, and to have relationship 
with you. And so, Lord, as we're looking into your word this morning, I pray that you will give us that sense that we need uh, to be able to understand, to be able to see, and to be able to walk forward into this truth. In your name I pray. Amen. So I don't know if you know this, but your life and my life, it's just normal. It's pretty normal. We, uh, we kind of go about our routines. Our life tends to be a routine. Here's what I mean. We, we tend to wake up and we have our responsibilities throughout the day. And then we come home and we have supper and we have our evening plans. And, and then we go to bed and we get up the next day and we tend to do it again. And so it's a bit of a routine. We routinely might do things like in the summer, go on vacation. We routinely do things like celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and all the firsts that people have in life. These are normal things. And the other things that are normal, even though they seem a little extreme sometimes, is there's always snowstorms in winter. There's always hurricanes in mid-August to late October, tornadoes in late spring to early summer. Life has with it celebrations and it has the downs in life's hardships. These are normal things for us. People get married, people pass away, and political news stories are always there. Social media posts, always there. Computer game achievements, always there. Even paychecks and bills, these are always there. These are normal things in life. And they vary in their intensities of each of the, sorry, there are varying intensities of the, each of these items, but the fact that they exist is just normal. And I need us to kind of calm down a little bit with some of these things. All these things are normal for us. And so it's important that we recognize the fact that what is normal for us is to carry burdens and to then also get tired in the carrying of those burdens. That's normal. We carry loads. And we grow tired from the weight of those loads. But I want you to know that in that normalcy, in the normalness of life, of carrying things and getting tired of things and all the other things that are coming our way, that God disrupts the normal to create the exceptional. And if we get this, or rather if we don't get this, we're going to burn out. We're going to miss out on the personal reality of God being active in our lives, we're gonna not be able to see that the normal is not what is ultimately best for us. I know that some of you are out there thinking, man, I just want a normal life. You have it. It's normal for us to experience the extremes of life. It's normal for us to experience illness. It's normal for us to experience heartache. It's normal for us to experience insecurity. All of these things are normal. And God comes along and he says, your Normal isn't what I want for you. And so what we find specifically in the passage that we read today is that Jesus disrupts the norm. Here's what I mean. He says in verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, in this passage, Jesus uses a language that might not be common to the majority of us. He talks about this thing called a yoke. And a yoke is this um, device that gets put around the necks and the shoulders of an animal in order to be able to partner up with another animal 
and pull things, pull weight that it was never able to pull on its own. Now, here's the truth that should have been obvious. The yoke was designed for two animals. Think about that. It was designed for two animals. So Jesus says, come to me, who, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he begins to talk about this yoke that's intended for two animals to pull the weight. The instrument was used to bring strength to two animals together in order to pull a load that was impossible for one animal to pull on its own. And so Jesus is speaking to a group of people who had been trying to carry an impossible load. They were trying to fulfill the Jewish law and other standards imposed on them on their own. And they were just falling flat and, and they were exhausted. The language in the New Testament for the word labor, it carried the idea to be working to the point of utter exhaustion. And the term burdened indicated that at some time in the past, a great load had been dumped on the person and the individual was continuing to bear that load. And so together, the term describes this person who is just absolutely exhausted from trying to carry a burden assumed from the past. Jesus' listeners were exhausted from trying to measure up to the expectations of the law. And so Jesus offers this disruption in the norm of their fatigue. You catch that? Jesus offers a disruption in the norm of fatigue. And so many people carry that same burden today. The pressure often manifests in itself in strained relationships. It manifests in depression and stress and feelings of inadequacy and other conditions that tell people that they just don't measure up. We are inundated with messages across the screens that we gaze at. We sleep and we have no rest. We experience an onslaught of suggestions, ideologies, and promises for a better, more fulfilled life. But it just makes our eyes heavy and with little hope. And so we have this genuine desire to get rid of the burdens. And in that genuine desire, we sometimes find ourselves buying into lies, the lies of just, if I just try harder, if I just try harder, if I climb that career ladder, if I just impress other people and, and gain the adulation of others, if I take on more jobs at church, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll esteem myself higher, if I add new spiritual disciplines and more. And, and it's not that these things are evil, it's just that they're incomplete. And to make things more exhausting, underlying all of these efforts that, that we pour into is this drive to win the approval of God and others. Can you imagine that? Like win the approval of God and others. And so Jesus used the yoke to show people the impossibility of being able to carry the weight of measuring up to God's standard. That's what he does. He disrupts it. He says, listen, you can't do this. You can't. And I want to invite you to take on my yoke. No person can make a grade high enough to earn heaven. And attempting to do so is, is, is frustrating and it's, it's exhausting. It's like, 
can I ever do enough? Am I ever good enough? I mean, like all of these things. And the amazing truth is that Jesus offers rest to all who need it and all do. You hear that? Jesus offers rest to all who need it and all do. So not only does he invite people in, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a promise. And not only is it a promise, he goes on to define what the disruption, this promise is. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The two animals in which the yoke is placed are different. Um, turns out, didn't know this, uh, but it turns out that one of the animals is always more experienced than the other. And the second animal becomes somewhat of a learner in this process. So the experienced animal was educated in the commands of the, of the master. Uh, the animal providing, this animal provides the direction, the leadership, and the help and training for that unlearned member of the team. Think about that for a second. And so Jesus then is that teacher animal that is beside us in this yoke. In verse 28, he says, to me, like come to me, right? And he's, he's, this is idea of to me alone, not to any other. And so what Jesus is doing there is he's establishing himself and saying, listen, you need to come to me. I know there are these other religious leaders that are there, but I want you to come to me because it is in me that you will get freedom from the fatigue that you are experiencing. You will find rest. Jesus alone provides freedom from the burdens of this life and rest for the next. Jesus alone. And he not only claimed that to know the only way to God, he actually claimed to be the only way to God in Matthew 11, verse 27. Here's what he says. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so not only did Jesus hold access to this information, but he has chosen to reveal the Father to us. Now, think about that. That's a, that's a massive statement. So he is the only way. He's the only one who knows the Father. Um, the Father is the only one who knows the Son. And, and Jesus says that he is able to reveal the information, the access to this information about who the Father is through him. And so he says he has chosen to reveal the Father to us. And then he goes on to explain it further. So there's this passage, um, as you read in, in verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. Uh, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So there's this, again, this reimagining life. There is this repetition of finding rest and he says here that he is gentle and humble in heart. And the word gentle and, and the phrase humble in heart appear to be synonymous. It's like Jesus is setting himself apart from the religious leaders. He's gentle. He's not harsh. He's humble in heart. He's uh, humble. He, he doesn't ex exhibit this extraordinary pride. He doesn't have a love for places of honor or special titles or 
exercise authority over people in a domineering way. And if you want to read more about that, you can look that up in Matthew 23, verses 5 to 12, where Jesus kind of distinguishes himself as something different. But the point of the contrast is that Jesus actually offers a reliable rest. In their day, people were being told all kinds of things on what it meant to be close to God, how to find your way to God, how to find your way to heaven, and, and, and how to live a life that was honoring to the Lord. And, and it was harsh and, and at times brutal, and I'm sure at times compassionate, but for the majority of it, it was ritual. And Jesus comes along and he says, listen, I got something for you that's going to give you rest for your souls. I am gentle. I'm not harsh. I am humble in heart, which means I'm not seeking my own uh, prideful push to be number one. Jesus knew who he was, and he didn't need other people to tell him who he was and to prove his worth. Jesus was valuable because he's Jesus. And so he offers a reliable rest. God's standard for getting into heaven is perfection. Now think about that for a second. We are not able to reach that perfection. And so every time we try to earn God's favor, every time we try to earn our place to heaven, even when we don't realize that that's what we're doing, when we evaluate our motivations towards things, you know, I'm doing this because I just want God to be proud of me or I'm just trying to earn this with God, whatever it is that I'm trying to earn with God. We got to understand that God wants perfection. And we don't offer that. Knowing the standard was impossible for us to reach, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus. And for 33 years, Jesus did what we couldn't do. He met God's standard. He met the grade. He measured up. And he offers that to us, that Christ's righteousness is given to us. And so what we find then is that our life's fatigues are lifted when we lift our eyes to Jesus. Our life's fatigues are lifted when we lift our eyes to Jesus. In other words, when my eyes are fixed on Jesus, they're not fixed on my burdens. I am no longer trying to measure up to the expectations of the world around me. I'm not trying to measure up to any of my pastors. I'm not trying to measure up to any of these expectations around me. And the reason is that I am secure in Christ. And because I'm secure in Christ, I can interact with this life with that security in mind. And so whatever it is that comes my way, whatever it is, I am secure in Jesus. So whatever the burden is, whatever the struggle is, I am no longer trying to earn my way to anything. I'm not trying to earn my way with God. I'm not trying to earn my way with others. I am secure in Jesus, that he paid what I couldn't. I'm good with God because I have accepted Jesus. And because of I accepted Jesus, I'm adopted into his family. I am part of a larger community of believers that supports and carries burdens together. The key here is that Jesus provides your credentials to God. We could, here's what the gospel tells us. We couldn't, so he did. And in doing so, he provides the credentials that we need to God. And with that truth held, firm, firmed, firmly held, 
we can understand that when we have that we have rest for having security with God and we do not have to be worried about the fatigue of the world. Look, Jesus explains this a little bit further. And just so if I'm not being clear, here's what Jesus says on the topic. Luke chapter 12, verse 25 to 31. Listen, you're going to love this. You ready? Because this speaks directly into our fatigue, our worry, our anxieties. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Like who? And he says, since you cannot do this very little thing. So listen to what Jesus is saying here. Listen, uh, in the in the concept of the cosmos, this is a tiny thing. Adding one hour to your life is a tiny thing. In the scope of how long you live, can you add one hour to the entirety of your life? And then Jesus says, look, since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about all the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. You catch that? Don't worry about it. Be secure in God. This is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, lift your eyes towards God. And as you do, and you find your security in him, you're not going to worry about all these other things. Stop it, he's saying. And then he does this comparative. He says, listen, for the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. All these things will be given to you as well. So he's saying, listen, the people of God, you've got to be different. Your security is in God. Allow him to disrupt your normalcy, to find security in him. And when you find security in him, focus on him in the midst of all the things that you're experiencing in this normalcy, and you will be in a better place. Because you won't worry. You won't have the fatigue. And you won't have the anxiety. Jesus remains present in the disruption is another point that I think is important. The two animals in the yoke work together to accomplish a task. And while the more experienced animal provided the leadership and direction, both of these animals work together to pull the load. Now, Jesus promised that this cooperative effort would result in a refreshing experience for his tired followers. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, like the rest that he's offering was this idea of a resting up or a rejuvenation from the weariness of trying to measure up. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, the assurance of rest for your souls pointed to an increasing sense of well-being with regard to one's relationship to God. Now, I have to tell you that when we feel confident and we are confident in our relationship with God, it changes everything else in terms of how we interact with life. When a person gets the yoke, gets in the yoke with Jesus, this new relationship offers both a, this initial and a continuing relief from a heavy burden, the burden of trying to measure up to God's standard. Listen, Jesus wasn't trying to give people an additional load. He wasn't trying to give them uh, an, an extra yoke to carry. He simply was inviting them to get into his, his yoke, stand beside him, come under his leadership. And there he would be the experienced, mature member of the team 
and those who responded would be rested and refreshed learners. Look, Jesus wasn't saying that a relationship with him was absent of work. He wouldn't have chosen the yoke as his illustration if that actually was, in fact, his intent. The yoke was an instrument of work, and the word easy in verse 30 is better translated as kindly, and the contrast the idea of being weary. The phrase burden is light is contrasted with burdened, or in some translations, heavy laden in Matthew eleven twenty eight. And these words, when they're put together, they present the idea of work that is lightened by Jesus. And so, yeah, the yoke of Christ involves work, but it is the work of love and service, which is the fruit of our salvation, not the cause of our salvation. And so while Jesus asks a lot of us, he provides the strength necessary for people to respond. And so in essence, this easy, light yoke, this load, which results in the rest, is the difference between doing things for Jesus and doing things with Jesus. You catch that? Doing things for Jesus and doing things with Jesus. This cosmic killjoy called the devil continues to play the ultimate practical joke on people. He tells them that we got to measure up. We got to make the grade. We got to walk in line in order to meet God's standard, to meet God's approval and his acceptance. And so because of that, many people are extremely tired, extremely tired. And frustration is all they reap because no amount of effort seems to be good enough. I I often ask people, hey, how's your relationship with Jesus? And, And here's the response I typically get. Not as good as it should be. Not as good as it should be. Man, you're not the one who defines the relationship. He is. Not as good as it should be. That sounds like we've got this idea that we're just not measuring up. Look, here's the reality. Jesus invites you to come into his yoke, to walk with him, to learn from him, to find rest for your souls. The other load, the load of trying to measure up, man, it's just so heavy and burdensome and it wrecks us. Now, on the other hand, Jesus did measure up by living the perfect life, by dying on the cross and rising again, all for our inadequacies. And so within that relationship, he invites everyone who is tired of trying to carry the load to come and get in the yoke with him. And with that relationship, he provides the experience, the wisdom, the skill, the, everything we need to know God and to live a life in faithful service to God. So, what do we do? Here's the question. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Have you accepted his invitation into the yoke? Do you remember a time that you did this or... We're told of a time that you did this. And if you didn't, or maybe you're in a space right now where you're just having some difficulty, here's here's what I want you to do. Take 10 minutes to pray to God about your fatigue and ask him to show you his presence in your life right now through the Holy Spirit. And if you do this daily, okay? So if you do this right now, but if you do this daily, you are experiencing, sorry, if you do this daily, as you're experiencing any kind of heavy burden, you will have greater sense of peace and you will have a different lens in life as you experience life in his rest. 
Now, if you don't, then as Jesus mentions in Luke 12, if you don't, then, like I said, as he mentions in Luke 12, you will run after things like the pagans of the world. So stop running. Stop carrying the burdens that you were never meant to carry. Turn to Jesus for both the ultimate rest for your soul and the peace in your current situation. And why? Because God disrupts the normal to create the exceptional. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you are the God of disruption. And Jesus, I pray that you will help us to understand that you you desire to disrupt us so that we find you and we live in you. And in our finding you, we no longer have to worry about our eternity because we know that we are secure in you. And in being secure in you, we know that we don't have to worry about our everyday because we're backed by you. Help us to see this truth. In your name I pray. Amen.